0: Thank you, Devin. There were two guys uh, going for a jog early one morning, and one of them, after the run was over, said to his friend, who he knew was a Christian, uh, you know, I don't really believe in God. Uh, to which his friend said, well, what is a God you don't believe in? He said, well, you know, the, the the man upstairs who gets his kicks out of punishing people here on earth and is never there when you need him. To which the Christian friend said, well, I don't believe in that kind of God either. And did you think about either believing in God or rejecting God, it is really critically important that you are either rejecting the God that really is, and also, just as importantly, that you're believing the God who really is. And and so in this series in which we have investigated and and began to look at knowing God, and we'll continue that uh, through a number of different weeks, the challenge for us is who is and what is this God either we believe in or reject? This morning has already been a full Sunday, but uh, there are many things we want to share this morning as we again just kind of take a step back and then a step forward, and just really looking at the question of what is God, who is God, and how do we relate to Him? And so, if you have your outlines this morning, you might want to turn to that as to kind of help you follow along as we look at just knowing the true God. What is God? And we've. Um, throwing this out as a definition for you to think about and actually embrace and actually to really even maybe put to memory. It is going to be on the test. Uh, what What is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, completely full of wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Now, that's not comprehensive, but it really does give you a picture of the supreme being that we believe started this all off and He wants us to know Him. Not limited by anything physical. Beyond our capacity to fully comprehend, He's infinite and we're finite. He has always been and always will be. As we think about life's greatest questions, He has all the answers. He's full of wisdom. And as we think about his goodness and we think about his holiness and as we think about his justice and being one who we can trust he's full of truth he is the god that we either put our faith in or come to that conclusion that we reject but god has not just left us with a sense of his immensity and his majesty and how big he is he's revealed to us even more Fully, not only what he is, but who he is. And and the Bible describes very plainly that God is one in essence and three in person God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, this, This is what people who have read the Bible for centuries have have framed into a word to describe God is one in essence, or if you want to put it a different way, God is one supreme being and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, they've phrased that all in one word, the Trinity, or some say even the triunity. And as we try to put our minds around that, we need to understand God wants us to be people who, who trust Him in our heart but also believe Him in our mind. That That God who is infinite and we're finite, we we struggle with that at times because we can't quite wrap our little brains around who He is. God is one in essence and three in persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As one has said very plainly and clearly, that if you try to fully understand the Trinity, you'll lose your mind, but if you don't believe in the Trinity, you'll lose your soul. And the reason... Someone would say that. It's not that you'd get the answer wrong on some academic test that someone might give you. But if this is who God is and you do not trust in who he's revealed himself to be, then how can you say you believe in the God who who not only made all things but came to save you? So as we desire to take that journey to, to know God and it begins at an encounter with him, it's an event it's a, a choice to, to cross the line of believing or not believing, trusting or not trusting, accepting or not accepting, surrendering or not surrendering. It's, it's an event. It, it begins at a point in time. But it's a journey that continues throughout life. It, it, begins, to understand, it begins by understanding what is God and who is God. And what we are going to attempt to do, and this is a series as we began it, we weren't really sure how we wanted to do it, and then we decided to put it in a particular schedule, and now we're limited by our schedule. But we're going to just take one Sunday on God as Father, and then one Sunday on God as Son, and then seven weeks on God as Spirit. And and we will not fully be able to wrap everything around our mind, but what we want to do is we say, this is what God has revealed about Himself. He's one. But in the oneness of God, there are three persons and we are to relate to him and all that he's revealed to us. Not completely understanding it necessarily, but, but appreciating and doing those things that he wants us to do and knowing him fully and deeply and as much as we can completely. So this morning what we want to do is we want to know the one God as, as the Father, and knowing uh, this is Communion Sunday and all the different things we do on Sunday that I always hope I'm going to have a short message on Sunday and then it always seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So let me let me give you the fill in the blanks and then we'll we'll go as far as we can. And this is the only Sunday we're going to do on this because it's going to be done today. But what is it to know God, the one God, as Father? And here's what we're at least attempting to do in the outline this morning. Number one, know Know God the Father as your Father. Secondly, know God the Father as Creator. Know God the Father as Love. Know God the Father as Good, and know God the Father as Provider. And we'll get to those in a, in a moment. Well, what do we mean to know God the Father as Father? And let me just throw this out by way of kind of dropping names. Sometimes, if you want to kind of make your points a little bit more um, authoritative or authentic, you, you might drop a name. This was, this was Jesus' favorite expression in terms of connecting with the supreme being in this universe. And, and we know that there is a union between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And, and let me just say this to begin with. As we think of, and we're going to see this a little bit when we think of God being the creator, God did not create us because he was lonely. God didn't, create us because He needed us. He desired us, but He did not need us. Because even within the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they had each other. There there was relationship. And as we think about this this supreme being up in the universe, this this God that the jogger rejected to his friend. I I don't believe in this God who's up there that, that is just getting his kicks by punishing people and is never there when you need him. That's not the true God. And and we understand about relationships by looking at the relationship between the Son and the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And and we see their their, their love connection. And that's what we long for, to, to really know what it means to relate with someone else. And so as God has given us those word pictures of who he is, he, he begins with, with fatherhood, that, that we ought to know God as our father. Now, it, it's, it is so tempting at this point to, to really preach the entire message just on this one thought of the fatherhood of God and relating to him as Father. Because in so many different ways, this is where our culture is struggling with with a concept of having a healthy attitude toward those people who are called fathers. we just we just got back from men's retreat and you know I'd share with you one conversation with someone who was struggling about some things that that he had done as as a father trying to protect his children and he felt he failed and just how it was just destroying him. I had a different conversation with another individual up there and, and they were describing how for all their years of being a Christ follower, how they've struggled in their relationship with God because they they could not wrap their minds around God being father when their father was absent and then when the father role came back into his life, it was abusive. How How can I trust God who is known as Father, and again, throughout the New Testament, I think it's over 180 times, Jesus refers to God as Father, when in his heart and his mind, all it brought was emotional pain. In in recent years, they've they've described (laughs) um, statistically and in labels what happens when you have a difficult relationship with your earthly father. I was reading some U.S. Department of Health and Human Services things that they had attempted in our culture, American culture, to try to turn that around. And so there's been a campaign that's been pushed in various corners of our nation. And it was the campaign tagline was, "There, your kids, be their dad. And of course, the, the challenge there was, you know, there are dads out there, but and they've fathered kids, but they're not around. And what happens when, when either a dad is absent or abusive? More than a quarter of American children, nearly 17 million, do not live with their fathers. Girls without a father in their life are two and a half times as likely to get pregnant and 53% more likely to commit suicide. Boys without a father in their life are 63% more likely to run away and 37% more likely to abuse drugs. Both girls and boys without father involvement are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, and nearly four times as likely to need help for emotional and behavioral problems. And so as we look at this this problem in our culture, this epidemic, and the results of it are catastrophic, where's the hope? Uh, We we can go as many campaigns as possible trying to get fathers to be fathers. And and if they are fathers, to be good fathers. But it it largely is not happening. And we cannot ensure it will happen for every child that's brought into this world. And and really, there are no illegitimate children. There's been some irresponsible adults. But every child matters. Every child counts. And having a healthy relationship to, to a father is critical. So, so what's, what's God's response? Well, well, there's good news here. There's good news here because this does not surprise God that we mess up, that we, we don't fulfill his intended role for our lives in every part of our lives. And, and so there's hope here. L- look at your outline this morning. There's a couple of passages that, that just, just give us hope for everyone. In Psalm 68, verses 4 and 5, it begins this way. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. And that's whether you're in the larger choir or the men's <laughs> choir. Just trying to put that announcement in context here. Okay, Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name Yah, which is a shorter version to Yahweh, and rejoice before him. And then it says this. What are we rejoice about? He's a father of the fatherless, a defender of, win- of, of widows to God in his holy habitation. See, the hope for all of us who've maybe struggled with maybe our relationship with our earthly fathers, and that's one thing we all have in common. Every single one of us here have had a father. They might not be around. We might not even know their name. But we didn't get here without both a mother and a father. And God says, I I want you to understand that I am going to be the father. To the fatherless, whether it's absent, an absentee father, or an abusive father, same idea in Psalm ten, verse fourteen. But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief, to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. So, so God is not not leaving anyone alone who is struggling in that relationship with a one who was. A participant and bring them into this world and, and even goes on I'm not only am I the father of the fathers I'm going to be a helper to those who are fatherless but but let's be honest and, and this is true so much in the gospel of Jesus you know there's a phrase with people who don't know the bible they they, they quote the Bible it's many times they quote things that are not in the Bible Have you ever found that to be true you know, they'll say God helps those who what? Help themselves. I haven't found that yet. You know, I know know the Bible pretty well. I've even looked in concordances. God helps those who help themselves. You you know how they should phrase that? God helps those who know they need what? Help. That's who God helps. Yeah. In, In one sense, God can do anything, but... But if there's any way, and I I never even want to use this phrase with God, but if there's anything God, I don't even want to say cannot do, or at least does not do, he does not help those who don't know they need help. And and so what God wants all of us at, at, at any level is we think about getting to the root of what it means to be fully alive. And that's, that's what it means to know God. To be fully alive. It, is that He is the Father. The ideal Father for us to wrap our hearts and minds around. And, and in many ways what we need to do, we need to do the simple things. You know, if you've had a good Father, and I just, I'm just i so thankful that I've had a good Father. And, and, and when I think about my Father being a good Father, what it does is say, As good as my, my, my Father is, My heavenly father is even what? He's even better. And I get a glimpse of what God is like when my my father acts and responded to me like God wanted him to. But the other side can be at least informative. If you've had a bad father, the picture you have for you, when, when you've experienced... Your father not being what God wanted to be a bad father, it tells you what God is not what, like. And so you take every bad memory and say, well, that's not how God is. God is the exact opposite to that. So so God wants us, throughout our experience, to think of that, that, that label of him being father, and whether we've had bad examples or good examples, recognize he's better than the best examples. And he's so unlike the worst examples. I was reading something just recently the other day. What, what is a father to be like? And there's so many things. Again, we could just take this image and, and just run with it. And, and, and they're all connected to what we're going to be saying in the next few uh, minutes we have together. But I was reading about um, how the father is to be the protective agent in the family, and particularly for the children. And that's not one of my five points anymore. But but he is to be the protector. He, he he is the one who was always there. And I was reading about the planet Jupiter, and in reading about the planet Jupiter, I, I was reading that. Have you ever? Uh, there, there's all kinds of things you can be fearful about. If, if we knew everything that could happen to us, and some, from so many different angles, we would never. We never get out of the house, all right? Well, you know, there have been times where things have bombarded our planet. You know, asteroids and things and big holes have been created. And And I don't know why. We, we, we consider that entertaining when it's after, after it's happened. We'll go there and visit those big craters. Have you ever done that? I, I've done that. I go, wow, look at that big thing. That Well, anyway, why does that not happen more often? Well, there's a variety of reasons, you know, intellectually and scientifically and spiritually. But... It's interesting how God has created this universe and our solar system is that he's placed Jupiter in a strategic place. And Jupiter is 318 times the size of the Earth. And you wonder, how did you know that? Because I just read it this week. All right, 318 times, right? And it has this gravitational pull that is so much more immense than Earth. And what happens when asteroids start coming? It pulls it in to the planet Jupiter. It just sucks it up. And see, that's that's what that's what God our Father does. All the things that happen in our life, and sometimes we wish he'd suck up a few more things. But the Bible tells us he will not allow you to go through anything that you're not able to handle. But with his provision, he will either provide a way of escape or your ability to endure it. God does not screen everything that hits on this earth, but he has placed a planet. And interesting, the word Jupiter. From my reading, it's, it's, it comes from a word that actually means sky father. And its gravitational pull sucks up the things that would land on earth if it was not placed in the particular vari- horizon that grabs our stuff and pulls it into its system. So it, as we think about, about knowing God, we need, to, we need to go God God as, as the Father. And not only as the Father, but our Father. Who, who has been placed there to give us the best picture of what a father does for his children. And of course, the question for each of us this morning, do, do you know God as, as your father? Probably the most familiar prayer in all of scriptures is found in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or praise be that your name. I want your kingdom to come. I want your rule to be done. I know when you're ruling, everything works out. Just, just as it is in heaven, it's, I want that to happen on earth. And I want you to be the person who I can trust in to, to give me what I need. Give us this day our daily bread. And be the person that I don't run from but run to. And isn't that that the picture you want of God? Isn't that the father you want that you didn't have to run from but you wanted to run to? Because he was the forgiver of all the things that you were falling short with. And so as we think about knowing God, and again, we cannot wrap our minds around fully and completely, well, how is God one and three? But the only thing I, I've been trying to pursue in my own life over the last number of weeks that I've been wrestling with putting the, the triune God together is I want, to, I want to picture this God who is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable, full of wisdom and power and holiness and justice and goodness and truth. But then as I look at the individual persons of the Godhead, and we'll be looking at certain words that are a little bit different, I want, I want to reflect on him as, as being my father. The protector of my soul, the one I run to rather than from. The one who takes whether it's been a bad experience or a good experience, I learn that he is so much more. Know God as your father. Secondly, know God as, as creator. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, and and, and and again, if we were to take it longer in terms of just explaining the biblical data concerning God being one and, and, and God being in you know, three persons, we would we would explain to you that, that 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 interesting connection where in one part of of life you have kind of an emphasis with the father, another part with the son, and one with the spirit, but in some places they they're all intertwined doing it together. And even in creation, God decreed, God the Father decreed it, and God the Son was an agent involved in it, and the Spirit was hovering and kind of doing a quality control over all that all this was happening. But it was from the Father that all this that we experience in life came into existence. And again, that imagery. We would not be here unless we had a physical Father. And just as God is our Father, and it's just amazing people who reject the the supreme being in the universe. Well, how did you get here? Are you just some big accident? Why don't you just go around telling me, I don't believe in God, but I believe I'm an accident. Because that's really what you're saying. But no, no. There there was a creator who intentionally brought me into into life. And, And the Bible Explains that First Corinthians chapter eight verse six. Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him are all things, and through Him we live. Uh, or, or Acts chapter seventeen verse twenty two and twenty four through twenty four. And it's so easy I want to preach a message on this one, but listen to the words. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Agropolis and said, "Men of Athens, he's now in Greece. I perceive that in all things you are very religious." For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the... What kind of God? God. The unknown God. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Probably the Greeks, in many ways, were probably the smartest people in town. I mean, they, uh, they, were, they were pretty bright in relationship to all the other cultures. And even though they were bright, they thought worship, being religious, was pretty important. Uh, but just think about it. They were worshiping a God... That they believe was unknowable, what Knowable. <laughs> and so Paul comes along and says, I, I want to help you, just like our series, I, I want to help you know the God that you don't know. Because he is knowable. Now, why is he knowable? Not, not because I'm brighter than the average philosopher or religious person here. It's because God has revealed himself therefore the one whom you worship knowing him i proclaim to you god who made the world and everything in it since he is lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands and what they had done is they reduced the the creator of this universe and tried to put him in some kind of a box and, and i guess he began here he says okay if there's one thing we ought to agree about this unknown god is that he is the what creator and so it really begins here, doesn't it? In fact, if we if we were to get just very simple related to the Bible, and, and a lot of times, the if you ever read a book, you know, the first chapter is pretty important, and what? The last chapter is pretty important. Well, let's just look not only at the first chapter, but the very first verse in the first chapter. In the beginning, God, what? Created. And so if we're going to, let's just be honest here, if we're going to really know god and believe he's more than an unknown god then we have to come to grips with what what do we believe about how all this happened and we can debate some of the details if you really want to answer those details i can tell you but anyway if you want if you if you want to debate the details we can we can wrestle a little bit but we better not We better not wrestle too much with a fundamental issue. That the supreme being, the one who is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, is the creator. And even the concept of God being father illustrates that. So how do we know God? We know God as father. We know God as creator. And a couple more quickly. We know God, the Father, as love, which is interesting because often as we look in the, in the parentage, we often think of, well, you know, the, the, uh, if, we, if we were to kind of stereotype, you know, the, the father is the kind of the strong, tough leader and the, the, the mom is the nurturing, caring, sensitive one. And, and let's be honest, that's normally, normally true. That's why we have that kind of caricature. But the Bible describes the Father as love. Let's just look at the text, some of the text real quickly. Second uh, Corinthians 13, 14, we've used this in past weeks. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, often when you just see the word God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's probably in reference to the fatherhood of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. And so there you see the three in one, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, what? Abba, Father. Uh, And and really, some of you have heard this before, some of you may not. What that Abba, Father said to me, this, this is Daddy. And so when we think of God, we don't just think of Him as being the the, the figure of authority, which he is. The, the, the one who, who brought us into existence, what he is. But he's also my daddy. Well, one of the convictions I had when I, uh, when I became a, uh, a parent. In fact, Alice and I talked about this in the very, very beginning. We said, we want to enjoy our children every stage of their life. And I can honestly say we have. We, we, we love our kids just as much now in their adult years as we did when they were children. And the same thing, we loved them when they were a teenager. We, we loved every phase of their life. Each phase has different challenges. But, but, but I do remember back when, when they, were, they were younger. You know. And one of the things that I guess I, I loved as much as anything was when I would come home from a variety of different things, they, uh, they would run to the, the door and say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy's home. It was normally that was the, the, the phrase that daddy's come to play with me, you know, and that's what we would do. We would just play as much as they wanted to play. And, and that was my love language to them. And it still is. And that's their love language to me. They, they wanted me to get home so that we could play. And so as we think about God, our Father. He loves us in so many different ways. And, and in, your, in, in your Bible studies this week, there, there's a section toward the end where it talks about the father loving his children to the point where he disciplines his children. And, and so there's a fullness to the love relationship of the father to the child. We are to play with them, and there are times we are to discipline them. But as you think about God the Father, when you think about maybe a love vacuum... And I was going to share with you earlier in the message, and probably better that I didn't because I wouldn't have had time to get hardly any length in our message, is that there is in our culture a, even a, a new label for people who struggle in that father relationship. It's called the father wound. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's, it's almost become, a, you know, a textbook. And, and it talks about how when children do not have a healthy relationship with their father, they, they now deal with it not only in terms of their acting out, but even in their own self-image and what they struggle with internally because somehow they don't have a role model. They can wrap their mind around what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And it's, it, it crosses genders. It's not just a man's father wound. It's a It's a, a little girl's father's wound that reaches out into adulthood. And, and what God wants us to picture of of father is, is one filled with love. He is our daddy. Which is hard to wrap our minds. We think about this supreme being, unchangeable, holy, so much farther than us. He's also so close and near. He, one the, he's the one who wants to play with us. In fact, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. So even in the most familiar verse in all the Bible, it speaks about God. And we know it couldn't be the son there because he gave the son. And the reason he gave is because he loved. So when, you're, when your love bucket is a little bit empty, then just look up. Because God loves you. And as you you leave this place, you need to have this picture of God who doesn't get His kicks out of punishing you, but out loving you. Fourthly, know God the Father as good. And again, There's so many different word pictures we could use of of the fatherhood of God, but I wanted to to throw this one in because so often people's picture of the father, and that's why they have the father wound, and the whole epidemic of absentee fathers and abusive fathers, is that often this adjective is not used for fathers. In fact, if we were to look at sitcoms, we might not say you know the, the word picture is necessarily a bad father, but we would say kind of a funny father, right? I mean, they, fathers are people you ought to laugh at because all they do is silly things and dumb things, and it's, it's only the, the moms that somehow get the things back together, right? Now, we need to picture God as a good father. And, and, and as we think about it, Jesus, when, even when Jesus had this the rich young ruler come up to him and say, I, I know you're good, and, and Jesus plays him and he said, well, you, you know, there's only one that's good. And who was he referring to? He was referring to his father. And what is it What is essentially, when the Bible talks about good, what what does it mean there? And there's there's some real depth to this this phrase good. In fact, there's a couple different Greek words to emphasize. But let me just give you one idea here. It means the idea, he's beneficial. He always has that, what is your best, Interest at heart. He, he, among all things, is not selfish. He's giving. In fact, that's what Matthew six nine through eleven. We won't look it up and read it, but it, it, it talks about what, what, what kind of gifts do you give give from a father? I mean, it, is your father going to give you a stone to eat? Is he going to give you some kind of serpent to play with? Now, fathers aren't going to give, particularly to children, that which is going to hurt them, but to help them. That's what it means to know God as Father. He, he gives you good gifts, things that we all need. And then piggyback on that not only is He good, but He, he is the provider. And, and that's the role. We are to protect. And we are to provide His earthly fathers. And if you look at those passages that I have in your outline, we are called to experience God's protective hand and providing hand as He gives those things that we need. If if, if He can clothe and be concerned about the little sparrow, how much more do we know He cares for us? So what's the point this morning? The, the, the point is that God wants us to know him. And to know him fully and completely is to know him as our father. Who is creator. Who is the best description of what love and goodness is all about. And the one who provides for us. And his greatest provision was for us. To see himself fully revealed in his son, Jesus. In a moment, we're just going to continue to worship and remember his greatest gift, his greatest provision, which is his son. And if you don't know him in a personal way, this is today to believe and not reject, to surrender and not refuse to surrender to the God who loves you so much. That he sent his son. I'm just going to close in a word of prayer. Then I invite you as we continue to worship through song. To come up to the table. And just remember it was the cross. Which brings us into relationship. With the God the Father. Who made all things. And wants to know us. Let's pray. Dear Lord we we just open ourselves up to you. To know you as you have revealed yourself to be. Help us to rest in you who is our our daddy as well as our creator, who is our provider, who is good and loves us deeply. And help us to receive the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ into our life, who came to forgive us of our sins, to die and pay the penalty on the cross, and invites us to know him and know him deeply. Knowing you is just a surrender away. And Father, I pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't know you, that might surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we participate in communion, might this be an opportunity to remember your great gift for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The bread represents the body which is broken for us. The cup represents his blood, which was poured out on the cross so that we might experience forgiveness.